Welcome back to the Birds on Power Lines podcast. We're glad you're here. For this installment, we're talking about Wild Blue Yonder, or the second part of the Doctor Who 60th anniversary special. If this is your first time catching our podcast, to let you know, this is the third podcast talking about the 60th anniversary special. We were so excited about the series that we actually got carried away talking about Bi-Generation and the story arc. So we ended up deciding to talk about the series in reverse order. And we started with the third part, of course, The Giggle. And then we had so much to talk about that, that we actually did that over two podcasts. So we hope that you'll take the time and go and listen to what we had to say about that as well. So now, on with our Birds on Power Lines discussion of Wild Blue Yonder. So, Wild Blue Yonder. Honestly, I love this episode so much. I, I, for me, as an actor, as or someone who acts, um, this episode was an absolute delight because really what you've got is two fabulous actors and all they're doing is playing off each other and they're in this situation where they're trapped and they have to rely on each other. And the threat in this case was more psychological and terrifying, right? Because they're sort of, you know, there's the threat that's against them is essentially knows everything that they know. And so that made this really, you know, creepy. And then with that, with the writing, they still managed to put in some levity, right? So that whole thing with Mavity and then even thinking about um, where that came from with Sir Isaac Newton and, and the humor in there. But then when they get you know to the edge of the universe and they're walking through that that ship, and you know they're talking about Isaac Newton being really you know really good, really hot or really good looking, and and then the doctor agreeing with Donna, and then he's like, oh, oh, is that who I am now? And I just had to laugh because that was foreshadowing. And I mean, you look at it now, it makes sense. He's like, oh, that's who I am now. And and, and that sort of shows that you know, number 15 was inside of him the whole time. And, you know, going back to that whole bi-generation thing and, and, and here we have this foreshadowing and it makes a lot of sense now that you look back on it. Um, <laughs> so I just thought that was, you know, one little bit of, of foreshadowing there and it, it, it made it, it funny as well, right? Even though you're in this terrifying situation and wondering how these, two characters are going to get out of this and uh yeah looking back on it i mean i know that happened before they knew that the you know the threat was but when you look at the whole arc of it and thinking oh yeah it was pretty funny yeah i definitely agree because i think that episode like arguably was one of like the darkest episodes really or one of the ones where you really got to see like how deeply deeply traumatized that the doctor was especially by like everything that they had gone through for the past like however many iterations and just has been like accumulating and accumulating 
until we've reached 14 now and he's just like he just can't really handle like all of the stuff that's happened to him and that's why like it really hurt especially when like he thought he was talking to Donna um in that I think like first the first time they got separated but it really was the not Donna and that really like you can see I know you've said this but you, you can definitely see like how hurt and shocked he is because he thought for like a split second that he could trust like Donna of course and that she really was someone that he could like that was able to understand what he had gone through and like I it just was really very 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 profound when like you can you can see that he he was just so shocked when it, it wasn't it ended up not being her and even afterwards when he tried to like, really broach the subject like with her like how much do you remember of my memories and the fact that she she wasn't really able to like she had them but she wasn't able to really process them because it would melt her brain really um like he you can really see that like he just wanted someone who understood what he went through and that's really why I think it was so good that even though um, 14 and 15 didn't get that much time together, now 14 knows that he is eventually able to move on from this and there is someone out there that technically, yeah, I guess they're the same person, but there is someone out there who truly does understand what he went through and really just, I think knowing that made it so that in the next episode he was able to just let go of everything and really just begin to heal but definitely in wildly yonder like that's kind of i think the start of his whole process of healing though it is a bit, a bit of a traumatic start that was really one of the most poignant scenes in wild blue yonder the doctor telling donna and just lifting all of that burden off of his shoulders and and having someone to help help him essentially carry that and and donna as a companion was one that really shared in the struggles with the doctor it wasn't just a bystander so it would be so logical for him to reach out to her for this and then in this case you know after telling her in, in a way it was good because the the not doc donna essentially but donna in this case he didn't have to tell her that she already knew and and it sort of saved him from articulating all of those things and he could just have someone already know and then he could just reach out to her for comfort and then when he actually reached out to her finding out that it was the not donna and the the shock and the fear he expressed from that and the, and then running away and then the, the the amazing display of of acting by David Tennant showing the frustration of the doctor and 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 how how profoundly this this struck him and and it was just so so you know hard to watch in a way and I mean it was a beautiful piece of work by David Tennant of course but wow and and you know your heart essentially breaks when you see this happening and then of course later on when he's with the real donna and he asks her if how much she remembers or how much she understands and then you know now of course he doesn't want to talk about it 
right and and really it's it's quite it, it's just like you said like a, a a really memorable kind of takeaway from wild blue yonder and 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 leads into of course the 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 giggle and where like you were saying, then he actually has someone who actually already understands. And that's, I think that's part of the, the, the barrier when you're trying to heal from something like that is to actually, you know, be able to articulate what's happening. And, and then again, with number 15 already, essentially it's him, of course, but having someone out there who, who already knows. But I think that's what made these, these not Donna and the not doctors so scary as monsters because they essentially were them in a way and so it's more of a psychological monster and uh, yeah so not a terrifying horror monster in that way so it's like a, a psychological you know scare that you're getting in this way and, and I know when we saw the, them at first with the hands and the arms being extended we, we that was sort of a jump scare right but there but for the two characters this was a psychological terror that they were undergoing and one thing I was thinking that they mentioned in the giggle but started in wild blue yonder is because when uh 14 like invoked the whole like vampires and demons can't cross a line of salt without counting it superstition at the end of the universe he says in the next um episode that that kind of let the toy maker in so that kind of got me thinking like are what are the not things like what are they are they similar to the toy maker or are they something else entirely like what what are these things and why why can they only take the shapes of other things like why do they copy like why what 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 are they and really we know they're from the edge of the universe but like what are they and like i don't know if they've ever been i guess they haven't been a thing in doctor who before but I know when I, because I, I, we both read that one Neil Gaiman short story that took place with um, Eleven. That I don't, I don't know if that's canonical, but in that there was um, this alien race known as the Kin, and in order to defeat the Kin and stop them from taking over Earth, um, Eleven took um, them to like beyond like before the before the dawn of time so like i saw when i was watching this i saw a lot of similarities between the not things and the kin i mean i don't think they're the same thing but maybe that's where that came from i don't I, again i don't know if that story is canonical or not but i saw a lot of similarities between like those two um enemies that the doctor had to fight so, I mean, it'd be interesting to look into whether or not those short stories are canonical or not, and really where the not things came from. Cause like, I don't, we never really got an explanation of that. Like, we, yeah, we never really got an explanation of that within the episode, which kind of left me feeling a little bit dissatisfied, but I, we know that they got destroyed, but I mean, did they, did they really get destroyed? something to think about yes what are those not things it's, 
and that is really you know an intriguing idea that you had right i mean first of all there is that whole bit with the toy maker and, and something was scaring the toy maker that he was trying to get away from and i mean is it those those things at the end of the edge of the universe do do they scare the toy maker himself right i mean because they could try to do that with any being right try to become them and if they if they became like the toy maker they could be even more powerful than him because there would be two of them or more of them i mean who knows how many of those not things could possibly exist but your idea going back to the kin is actually quite quite interesting because i went i actually went back and i looked and that episode was nothing a clock right and these are not things right and i just thought that was kind of an interesting parallel right and then of course the doctor got rid of them or, or trapped them essentially before the dawn of time and then here they are at the edge of the universe and you know wanting to crawl their way back to you know where there was things that that they could interact with and but the things the kin was like one thing right but i but then again they could be you know multiple things separated by by time right but the one thing that another thing that was interesting is that the kin had trouble making faces so that's why they had those masks right if i remember correctly they couldn't do faces and then here we have these these not things are having trouble with the arms and then the knees and 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 things like that and then you know thinking about each of their encounters and the one you know, we, you know obviously what happened with the the doctor being alone with the not thing the first time or the not doctor was that whole confession that we were just talking about but then when donna was confronted alone with the the not doctor and um what was happening there was you know taking off the tie and then not realizing that the tie would still have to be there so it's just like oh the tie should still be there oh i get it you know this kind of thing and uh, you know just <laughs> everything's just a little off and disturbing and then of course when the four of them are like the two the not donna and then the not doctor and then the doctor and the donna and they're all facing off each other and trying to find out which ones were real <laughs> that was just you know really cool to see that play out I think that scene with like all four of them kind of facing off really highlighted how like how how close um like the doctor is to Donna and how and vice versa because like those the other the not doctor and the not Donna like they were pretty much like um like I mean at that point they weren't completely identical cop almost completely identical copies but they were pretty close to being identical copies and even like for the first like 10 seconds of that interaction like for even like the first like few interactions few uh words they all exchange together like you could tell that the real doctor and the real donna weren't entirely sure until like that one moment when they were like oh it's you <laughs> and it, i just thought it really did show like because both of them were thrust with this crazy weird experience that neither of them had, had before which is really saying something because the doctor is like hundreds thousands of years old but like it just like you really i think like especially that scene but like all of the other 
scenes like afterwards in which all four of them are in the same like space together but that scenes especially like it, it really just like it, it really just it, it showed both how out of their element both the doctor and Donna are or were but also how like how much of an ability they have to take control of this strange crazy situation that they, they're finding themselves in and really just it, it kind of for me it drove home the point of like the fact that both of these characters they are both very strong by themselves but they're even stronger together because I'm sure neither of them if they had been alone would have been able to get their way out of this situation because like sure like the doctor is supposed to be like oh like the the, the one who can never stop thinking he's always thinking 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 and that was how he figured out why the not things were trying to scare them and um make them both think faster but it was also donna who like even though she does like and it's it's mentioned in there she does like play herself off to be both like the dumb one and the smart one at the same time because that's how just how people are but i think like the, the fact that the two of them are both so similar and and but at the same time both so different really like it makes them better together and really i think that whole episode like the whole wild blue yonder i think it, like in my opinion like what i got from it was that it was showing how strong they are together before like the giggle and where they are like it's essentially like everything their whole relationship is kind of tested a bit because like the doctor's forced to open up but in this one like we can kind of see him starting to want to open up because like when he was in the room with the not donna he was trying to open up and of course that didn't end well but you can start to see that like he does want that from like their their friendship he does want to be more open and be like yes they are very good friends but he also still wants a little bit more like connection because he has gone through some stuff especially between being 10 and being 14 he has gone through some things and i honestly like i think all three of the episodes as a whole kind of are like his arc of healing and like the, well, the, the whole the doctor's arc of healing but also at the same time like the, it his how his relationship with other people who are important to him especially donna how it grows and how it changes how it how it's changed him like for the better so that he's able to eventually heal and become 15 but that going back again i went on a bit of a tangent um that whole scene with all four of them in the room together definitely like they, it showed how how strong both the doctor and donna were as characters though i mean to be honest i also think that the scene where the two not not things and the doctor and donna like that scene where they're separated by that like clear window the clear barrier and both of them are trying to both sides are trying to prevent the other from getting out and stopping the countdown i think that that scene even more so kind of made me really honestly very scared because 
like, of course, you do know that they're going to be fine because it's going to be a next episode. But at that point, because, like, the, the not things are so close to becoming, like, the actual people they're trying to copy, like, I honestly was a bit scared for a few seconds that they would get out, that they would succeed in stopping the countdown, and that they would escape in the TARDIS, and who knows, maybe the rest of the time we're just watching the not things on their adventures as the Doctor and Donna. And that that really, that, that scene, honestly, like, in, in all of the episodes, that was one of the most scariest scenes for me. <laughs> I'm not, I don't, I'm sure there's all kinds of, like, symbolism there, and, like, maybe, like, worrying about, like, not, like, not identity theft, but, like, not being, like, not being an accurate, like, representation of yourself. I'm sure there's some kind of symbolism there, but, like, honestly, that, that scene really did kind of scare me a bit. I don't know how you felt about it, but like it, it was just very unsettling because they were just so close to being like perfect copies of them that it just really did freak me out. And I think it honestly did. I honestly think that it did freak out the, the Doctor and Donna as well. But of course, like when we were actually watching the episode for the first time, we didn't know for sure that like it would be okay and I think honestly that's probably what scared me the most that we didn't know that the doctor and Donna would get out of this and be okay because Edna said for all we knew it could have just been oh the adventures of not doctor and not Donna because who knows how would they how would anyone even be able to tell the difference between the real ones and the copies you're so funny I had a good laugh at the idea of having the not Doctor Who and the not Donna or the not Dr. Donna. That would be just so funny. Oh my God. My brain did not go there at all. But yeah, they were pretty scary. So just thinking about the the not people as as monsters in Doctor Who, right? Because you know they they are the doctor and they are Donna, but they're not really Right. And, and I think that uh, it goes back to what we're talking about with the Stuckey family in, um, in the giggle, right? Because they were just, you could tell that they weren't real, but they were real enough to make them disturbing. And if you think about the not doctor and the, or the non doctor and the non Donna and how that they could contort themselves into strange ways. And, you know, that's how you knew that they weren't, you know, the right people obviously but i think the way that they would contort themselves like i think the 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 not doctor contorted himself upside down when he was frustrated with with talking with donna and he was making fun of her and that was just so disturbing and then at the end he was running on all fours to get to get to the the switch so that they wouldn't set off the bomb right i mean so that i think in the thinking about it you know becoming the, the, the not doctor who, um, at least we would know which one was the, the real doctor, right? Because the, the, the not one was running on all fours. So we were able to separate those two, but there's that little doubt about Donna, right? Um, but yeah, that's just, just really strange. But, you know, but if we think about it, how would we know the difference? Now, 
I don't think that they're going to be, I mean, I don't know, I'm going to go all scientist on you, but, you know, would they be changed at the DNA level? Like, would the TARDIS be able to tell the difference between the two doctors and the two Donnas? You know, somehow she might know that this was not the right doctor or whatever. Um, so I don't know, but, you know, but then, and then at the other, at the other end of it, when it came down to the real doctor and the real Donna, I mean, they would have sacrificed themselves to save humanity or save, you know, whatever it is, whereas the not ones would not, and they would just not be as interesting <laughs> if we had the wrong doctor and the wrong Donna and Doctor Who, because um, the stakes just wouldn't be as high because these ones would completely take over. But yeah, but anyways, what a funny idea. But yeah, it never crossed my mind. And something that I was reflecting on was the song Wild Blue Yonder. And uh, just like, I think Donna was saying that she would have to sing it in school, right? Or they would sing it in school or they hear it in school. And, and when I was young, yeah, I remember hearing Wild Blue Yonder. I, I don't know if it was in school or what it was, but I just remember the chorus of it. And I never really thought about what the actual words were. So I think I would agree that it really is not a happy song, right? Um, but yeah, I was thinking back on that just because they brought that up in the show and uh, the fact that we used to hear it at school as well. And I think I'm going to go all actor on you again here, but one of the things, aside from the fabulous acting that was required to pull off Wild Blue Yonder uh, on the part of David Tennant and Catherine Tate um, to make this you know, really sell this this episode because it was all the acting. But kudos to the people who produced, put this whole thing together. Because every time I see an article on this, they talk about how Russell T. Davies is always doing things that are technically impossible to film. And they managed to pull it off seamlessly. Like, I just think that the effects on this were amazing and off the hook right like it really looked like they were in this this ship and it was huge and massive and everything just had to be pulled together absolutely correctly for the whole illusion to be pulled off so i i just and this is one of the reasons i love film so much it was yeah so that was another thing at that we we should definitely make sure we highlight in in the magnificence of this episode so there's that thought. And then getting back to what you were saying about how your, I guess you said it was your favorite scene when they were sort of the, 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 the non, or the not doctor and Donna looking at doctor and Donna across the, the, the glass and, and trying to outwit each other so that they could um, either turn off the bomb or make sure that the bomb was going to go off or the ship was going to explode. Um, that of course was amazing but uh and i say that a lot when it comes to this episode but uh i i think one of my favorite scenes was actually just at the beginning when the doctor and donna were looking out the window at the edge of the universe and just that whole kind of thought of being at the edge of everything and just i just, i don't know why i found that so amazing you know, and he was saying, oh, well, that's, that's, that's where your family is, that direction. And, uh, you know, just, just the thought of being at the edge of everything and, and what that must be like and, and what it actually is like, because there is an edge to the universe. And just the, just the thought of what that might be like is really was 
interesting and interesting thought and something that I actually had never really thought about before. Like, what is at the edge? I mean, you never really think about that, right? Um, so that was that was something that I wanted to to share with you as well. And then the, just the whole thought that you know the thing that was actually kind of horrifying about these monsters was that they couldn't get their arms right and they couldn't keep their jaw in place and didn't know how many knees they should have and it, the fact that that was so scary but we're actually like making you know laughing about it as well which is such a weird effect like i know you and i are like talking to each other and say well my arms are too long or how many knees should i have right and we're laughing about that but when we were watching it on the show it was like horrifying because we were not expecting it. it was i don't know if it was a jump scare but it was pretty close to that so it's just clever that the monsters are just distorted versions of themselves and, and evil versions of themselves just really interesting how that that effect played out yeah i definitely think this whole episode really kind of went all over the whole like psychological thriller psychological horror-ish genre where it like kind of it put the characters against something that was very similar to them but just like almost like a like a through the looking glass-esque like version of them and like I mean I love those kinds of those kinds of um, storylines but that's that's why I think for me at least this episode was my favorite out of the three though of course all of them were very good. For me it really was kind of hard to pick a favorite because they really were all so different I mean, I think with Wild Blue Yonder, that one was the most that was really plot driven, right? And the situation there was really like a, a story unto itself, whereas um, a lot of the giggle, while that was you know, exciting in the story, there was a lot of things there to sort of tie things up for, for 14 and set things up for 15, right? So there was that there as well. And then the Star Beast, I think, had the most work to do aside from having a plot, right? They had to, it was there to really catch people up, as well as the, the huge lift of introducing new people to Doctor Who, right? Because now it's on Disney. Um, so that really opens up the, the floodgates to all kinds of new, new people, right? So I, I think that, uh, you know, that one had a lot to do. You know, a lot to do aside from just telling an interesting story. So, yeah, let's go. Let's start talking about the Star Beast. If you're hearing this, you've reached the end of our exchange on Wild Blue Yonder. We hope you enjoyed our conversation, and we look forward to finding out what you thought. So please let us know. We hope you'll catch our next discussion on the Star Beast. Thanks for listening and being part of the Birds on Powerlines podcast. Thank mm-hmm. you.